welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. I am Drew. What have we got on the agenda today? Well, I thought we should have a look at, you know, some some fashion as we move into this new year. We've got to have a new fashion sense. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but pitch me a look. Go on, what can you see me... Nailing so I'm in 2021. Something like red and sparkly. Okay, yeah. I mean, I liked the reds at Christmas time, so mm-hmm. red is still up there for me. Like form fitting, but in a good way. Don't know if anyone wants to see me in form fitting, but continue. Well, we could always get you a corset. Are we doing Rocky Horror? <laughs> no, we are not. Basically, I'm just trying to turn you into a drag queen. Okay, I knew there's a reason we've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race recently. Yeah, so, if you haven't guessed by now, this week... Hold on a second. There's no guesswork required. Presumably they've (laughs) seen what we're covering. If you haven't read the tag by now... Or looked at Drew's fantastic artwork... Then you will have figured out that we are watching Kinky Boots today. I'm really hopeful that the version we're going to watch is the one that had Brendan Urie. No... Oh, okay. But Brendan Urie was in it. Yes, he was. Which, kind of interesting, because when he'd signed for it, he was known as Brendan Urie of Panic! at the Disco fame. Mm-hmm. And that got a lot of people to go and see the show. Before we talk more about this show, can I just ask, how well was that received? Because for somebody with no theatre background, like that was stunt casting. Was it received well? He wasn't playing a drag queen. No, I know, but his casting in Kinky Boots, was it received well? Um, Yes. Generally, yeah. It was received pretty well in that it got them a lot more views. Okay. Which is generally why we do stunt casting. Yes, but if we're going to do stunt casting, we at least want it to be successful stunt casting Mm. and not... Yeah, you know, like why not pick someone that can sing? Yeah, like they they clearly got someone who can sing, and you know he's got the theatricality. Mm-hmm. I've seen them live, mm-hmm. Panic at the Disco. I'm a big fan of Brendan Urie. However, I knew he'd been in this, and always was like, okay. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Cool. Okay, so this is Drag Queens, <laughs> the musical. Yeah. What else do you know about this other than that Brendan Urie was in it, and there are drag queens? The big red boots with the heels, mm-hmm. I feel are like, potentially, in, you know, in, in a decade's time will be as iconic as like the Rocky Horror Lips. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, they're also the logo. Yeah. But we've not really stood the test of time yet. Like, whether or not, do you get what I mean? Like, there are some things like, you just look at it and you know what that stands for. Okay. Um, so I wonder if that, that will be, you know, something that in future generations, everybody could tell. Mm-hmm. On like a name that musical quiz or, you know, like a hidden picture where there's like find all 15 musical references. I think this is already pretty up there within that. Okay, cool. Yeah. How old is this? Because I thought that this was going to be quite a new one, like from mid 2010s. Mm-hmm. Is it is it quite new then? Well, so... The premiere of the show was 2012, yeah. but the concept came along in 2006 following the 2005 film. Yes, because I knew there was a film. Mm-hmm. Is the film a musical? No. Okay, so do you know anything about the plot of this? 
No, I'm assuming it's burlesque meets drag. <laughs> sure, okay. I, I don't know anything about this. It, it could be a coming out story, for all I know, mm. that it is looking at somebody who doesn't have supportive parents because they're from middle America and this lifestyle is not acceptable. And this is a great triumphant coming out story that's inspiring for people who are going through this themselves or just a way to be like, hey, stop being obnoxious because we only get one life and let's just be accepting of everyone. Okay. I'm probably very wrong. Why do you think it's set in America? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I've heard good things about this. Yeah. From me. And other people. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I just assume it's American. Most Broadway shows are American. Mm -hmm. You know? Like... Yeah, I get that. I can think of very few exceptions where they're clearly, like, British. Or at least if they're American, they ha are set in Britain. Like uh, My Fair Lady. Mm -hmm. um, Phantom of the Opera is French. But this one just feels like it's going to be set in America. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you why. It just feels like it. So this is set in Northampton. In the Midlands. Okay. Yeah. Of England, if you're an American listener. Um, I got that very wrong. Yeah. So Brenda Newey did a British voice? A very British voice. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Perhaps it's his casting that made me think American. Mm -hmm. because I can get that. But yeah. also he was on the Broadway cast. Well, yeah, but you'd think you'd, you'd cast somebody who could at least do a British voice. I've never heard him do a British voice. He's yeah. someone who I just... The other thing is, it's not like an English accent, the stereotypical it's... English accent. It's a Northern English accent. Yeah, for those of you who maybe have seen Full Monty or Billy Elliot, this is what we're dealing with. Sure. Oh, is this around the same time as Billy Elliot with the Mines and Margaret Thatcher? I don't know when this is set. Let me find out. Because that would be very interesting. Like that world with Billy Elliot and with this kind of drag queen culture. Yeah, no. Okay. No, this is set in like early 2000s. Okay, so it's a modern one. Yeah. Okay. We have Northern or Midlands-esque characters with drag queens. Mm -hmm. And Kinky Boots, essentially. Is that the name of the drag queen, Kinky Boots? No. Okay. She has a much better name than that. Drag queens always have brilliant names. Yes, they do. What is your favourite drag queen name that you can think of? I don't know. I don't know drag well enough, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Sharon Needles. Sharon Needles is hilarious. It's the only one that comes to mind right now. <laughs> I love that you can remember that. We've watched like four episodes. A good that. drag name is like clearly an innuendo or is like a play on words. Mm -hmm. So it, it's got to be kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. But it's also got to kind of be like mm -hmm. funny. Yeah. So you've got Sharon ones... Needles is like funny. It's Sharon Needles is really funny. Yeah. You've got... People like Pharamone, <laughs> Mimi Infirst, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Pandora Box, Jiggly Caliente. Yeah, I didn't like Jiggly Caliente. But it's a good name. I'd be called Peak Achu. Would you? Yeah. I'd be like this this quirky gamer type drag queen. Or a very rock drag queen. Mm-hmm. And, and we'd see if we could get like a, you know, playoff Metallica names or My Chemical Romance names, you know, depending on what kind of phase I wanted to be. Do I want to be like real like metal or do I want to be a bit more, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, yeah, emo? I love that you put some thought into this. Yeah. I really like Brooklyn Heights as well. That's a great That's a name. great one. There are some really good drag queen names. This is, the name of the drag queen in this one is Lola. Okay. And it's just a great... Was she a showgirl? Yeah, basically. Her name is Lola. She was a showgirl. Okay, so is this original songs or is it a jukebox? This is original songs with music and lyrics by Cindy Lauper. Wow. Yep. Is it Cindy Lauper's songs? Like, are we going to get girls nope. just want to have fun? So she's written completely original ones for this. Mm-hmm. Cool. And the book is by Harvey Firestein. Who Never heard of him. You will know from Mrs. Doubtfire as the guy that does all his makeup for him. Oh. He's also the voice of The one Yao. with the gruff voice. Yeah. He's also the voice of Yao in Mulan. Cool. Mm-hmm. He won many Tony Awards. For Kinky Boots or leading, like... No, just, he's been in a lot of shows. On Broadway, he won a Tony Award for playing Edna in Hairspray. Oh, I can hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, He also wrote... (laughs) Sorry. I know it's weird because, like, I can see that. But I I can visualise the voice as Edna and it works. Mm -hmm. He wrote the book for Lacajo Fall, which you've seen in the Birdcage. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote the book for the musical of that. He won Best Book of the Musical. Wow. And then he also wrote the book for Kinky Boots. He was also so on Cheers. Very talented then. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was more than just like an actor. Yeah. You cool. know what I mean? Like, I thought he was just mm-hmm. a kind of relic from the early 90s. I didn't know he was still actively creating things. Yeah. He's That's so very cool. cool. Yeah, he has a lot of Tony Awards, this guy. Does and he make Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of... No, not that many. Stand Nobody to attention and salute. <laughs> mm. So he was nominated for Best Book of the Musical for, for Kinky Boots, but unfortunately, he didn't win that. What was it up against? Out of curiosity, what year was Kinky Boots? 2013. It's not the Hamilton year, was it? With School of Rock and Waitress and... Hamilton. No. So this is the same year as Bring It On, Matilda, Motown, Chaplin, Christmas Story, a lot of a lot of things. I don't know what would win out of that. Probably Matilda. It won Best Musical. Yeah. But, but I don't know what would have beaten Best Book. Probably Matilda, because Tim Minchin's lyrics are very clever. His lyrics are really clever, and I really like Tim Minchin. Mm. He does a good job. Okay. Best book was Matilda the Musical. However, it also won Best Original Score, Best Leading Actor. It also got Original Score, and it lost Costume Design. This was a controversy. At the time. 
I can imagine the costumes to this are going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So that is surprising. Yeah. And it was surprising at the time because it lost to Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, which at the time was a revival. You've shown me clips from that one before. And they're really pretty. They're gorgeous That's the costumes. one that's got Prince Hans of the Seven Isles, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The costumes that are really cool. Yeah, but... and the, the quick change costumes where they spin and the costumes but change. But these are going to be like really elegant, like Yeah, so this costumes. is a different kind of costuming, especially because you need to hire really specific costume designers yeah. to design drag queen costumes, and you also need consultation. Yeah, did they work well with the drag community? Yeah, they did. And they they took into account a lot of old references to drag queens and they brought in a lot of themes from across drag history, which is awesome. And everyone was very surprised that Kinky Boots didn't win because a lot of this show revolves around big costumes. Yeah. And Cinderella, while completely gorgeous and beautiful and amazingly well made, all of the costumes in that, are for where it's supposed to be, you know? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It's, it's like, appropriate and obviously, like, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen it before. Yeah. So, Harvey Firestein, mm-hmm. influenced from the film, wants to write this show. Yep. And then works with other people, or is he approached about it and then decides that, yes, this, this would be a great show to work on? So, when the film came out, there was a lot of people thinking about how they wanted to adapt this already. Daryl Roth, who is a producer for Mm -hmm. Broadway, saw the film at the 2006 Sundance Film Festival, thought it was amazing, and she thought that the themes really resonated and would really resonate with a musical theatre audience who probably wouldn't watch this film. Yes. Because the film is quite gritty, but it's also a lot, not darker, but you know when you watch a film and you're like, oh, this film's really dim. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's like, if you watch it in the sun, you're not going to see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like that. So separately from her seeing it, she's decided, I want to make this into a musical. How Luftig also saw the film in London and was like, I want to make this into a musical. So you've got a lot of competition Mm -hmm. already for this. Yeah. Within a year, Daryl Roth had gotten the rights, convinced them to give her the rights. And she also heard that Luftig wanted to work on this. So they started working together. Oh, that's very cool. Mm -hmm. Instead of like competing, they came together. I like that. Because they're both Tony and Olivier Award winning producers yeah they were in a lot of discussions with a lot of different people they hadn't found any writers they wanted jerry mitchell to direct but he wouldn't sign on unless they had writers already yes which i think is fair enough i think so i need to see a script first Mm -hmm. she sent him a dvd of the film like posted him a dvd of the film and he watched it and was like yeah i'd love to direct this but again you need to get me some writers because i'm not I'm not going to attach and commit myself to something. Yeah, great. Love the film. However, I need to see how it's going to translate. Mm -hmm. I think that's brilliant. I think that's very fair. Yep. They got him to agree to do it if they could get Harvey Firestein to write the book for it. Which he then did. Because J. 
Jerry Mitchell knew that Firestein is really good friends with Cindy Lauper and he wanted Cindy Lauper to write the music for it because he thought that she would get it. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, she definitely did. So Firestein agreed. He approaches Cindy Lauper and is like, hey, you need to come and do this. We really need to work together. We should have written a musical by now already. And yeah. Cindy Lauper was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And in 2010, everyone was signed on. Cool. We're all on board. We're making this. So it's a very short time then, like 2010 to 2012. Mm-hmm. You look at things like Rent and how long they were kind of in development for. Yeah. This is a lot quicker. Yep. And is that just because of simply put the talent attached to Cindy Lauper knows music? Mm-hmm. Everyone else you tell me knows how to create a show. Yeah. They just know. And as a result, they can kind of jump through a lot of hoops already because of their names. Mm-hmm. That's The other thing was Harvey Feierstein was working on two shows at the same time. Kinky Boots and Newsies, which Newsies came out the year before. You've never told me he was attached to Newsies. He wrote the book for Newsies. Wow. So when we talked about Newsies, we talked about him. Okay. A little bit. I mean, Newsies is like 40 weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's nearly a year ago. Yeah. And Newsies and Kinky Boots came out a year apart. Wow. That's so... quite a lot. No, <laughs> I didn't plan this. But that still is quite a big kind of commitment. Like It's mm-hmm. not like Lin-Manuel Miranda did in the heights and then immediate year later is doing bring it on and then a year later has got hamilton and then mm-hmm. a year later has got the hamilton follow-up like there's a big gap in between those yeah for a reason mm-hmm. you know and and he's a very talented individual yeah so it's not like for a lack of talent or a lack of ideas mm-hmm. and also i guess he's working on like moana and all these different disney projects in the meantime yeah but that is still amazing when you think about the timing mm-hmm Cool. Has he ever acted or starred in Kinky Boots on stage, Harvey Firestein? No. It's not quite his demographic. That's fine. I just want, you know. Um, I mean the characters, not the audience. Jeremy Jordan, never been in it? Mm, <laughs> Attachment, no. you know. But I'm good without him for once. Okay. I can't really see him in this. I'm interested to know what the casting is like for this because... Mm-hmm. Do you go out and hire a drag queen who already exists? Mm-hmm. Or do you hire somebody else? Yeah. The idea being, obviously, a lot of drag queens put a lot of work into their persona. They're not actors who then go and do different roles. They say as Sharon Needles. Um, not so much. People didn't really have a problem with this. From what from the research I've done, there wasn't really any outcry being like, you've showed us in poor light or cool. anything. This is a big hit with people. And also we're into the sort of era of mainstream drag queens yes. at this point. And specifically RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Because people are starting to get widespread really into drag queens. It's not an underground art at this yeah. point. Not that it was particularly, no. but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know In the exactly age of everything is on the internet, this is getting big because it's being shown alongside adverts for RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag Race. 
I know that this was shown at the Adelphi Theatre mm-hmm. in London, which is where we saw Waitress. Yep. I remember seeing kind of the, the sign for it a few times when I go into London. That's where I saw it. Where did it premiere? Was it a premiere in England? or Because it... obviously it's, it's an English story. It's based on true events. Mm-hmm. So did it premiere over here or did it premiere on Broadway? No, this is a Broadway show. Cool. So it premiered on the 2nd of October 2012 at a theatre in Chicago. Cool. Which is where everything premieres. Yes. Chicago. Then it moved to 2013 onto Broadway. Then 2014, it got its first US tour. 2015, it opens here in the U of K. Yeah. And then 2018, it got another US tour and a UK tour. Yeah, because it's not currently on. Mm. Cool. No. And it was such a shame when it closed because that show was incredible. I think that's the problem with the Adelphi Theatre is... The turnover. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is where it's placed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of on a busy road. It's not like hidden away. Yeah. Okay. So the version we are going to be watching... Is the King of Boots the Musical filmed of 2019. Where from? From the UK. Okay. So it's one of the tour ones. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the tour cast. Cool. Performing, obviously, the full show. Very rare that you film the tour. Not but like... that's just what was on. No, I know, but it's, it's rare that you get filmed recordings like mm-hmm. that from the tour. Usually it's at its main hub. Because there would have been a lot extra work in setting this up. Yep. And when you're on tour and maybe staying in a venue two or three days, mm-hmm. that to me is quite interesting. Yeah, so we've got quite, you're going to, well, you're going to know one of these people when I explain to you who they are. Okay. But we have Matt Henry playing Lola, Killian Donnelly playing Charlie, who's the other main male character, Natalie McQueen, Sean Needham, Cornelia Farnworth. These are all people you will have seen in musicals before. Specifically, Killian Donnelly who I know for a fact you have seen in more than one musical, because he was in the 25th anniversary concert of Les Mis. I've not seen that one. He was in the movie version of Les Mis oh. as Combeferre. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that. But, you know, French boy. Yeah. One of the gang. He was also in the Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall. So we've seen him. Mm-hmm. Was he Edward Cullen? No, he was not. He was Fireman Number 5. Wow. <laughs> Slash ensemble. So Fireman number five must have been from the start of the film then. Or, or the show. Where they're with the rubble. Isn't yeah, it? he's in all of it. He's in the ensemble. No, I know, so but like his big role. Mm-hmm. Starring moment. Yeah. Basically. And this, which is awesome. And he is playing the leading role in the That's show. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm very excited. I love this show. I had a great time watching the show when I went to see it. And I have desperately wanted to go back and watch it since. Yeah, I've I've heard really good things about this. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing... Is there like an end or a moment during like the interval at the very end where everyone is wearing the, the kinky boots? Like there's this kind of show-stopping number mm-hmm. and everyone wears the red boots. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. That will have been what you've seen on adverts. The, well, it's not necessarily on adverts. I feel like this is also being on like Children in Need or... yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, some of those kind of charity shows in the UK or mm. something. And I've just seen that visual. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah, you definitely will have. It's definitely been on Children in Need before and things like that. I yeah. think they did a Blue Peter performance at one point, yeah. which is really cool. Before we do go and watch it, mm-hmm. how close am I to the ideas with that I presented to you about what the show will be like? So you thought this is a coming out story? Yeah, possibly. Set in com- middle America. Oh, okay, <laughs> possibly a coming out story. Mm-hmm possibly dealing with the idea of a family that don't approve of a lifestyle overcoming it middle america midlands of england i mean middle yeah you're not inherently wrong but when we watch it you'll see why i say that okay that isn't the plot okay but you know (laughs) that's fine it could also be like gypsy or burlesque Sure. You know where... You think we're going to have a stage mum? Not as a stage mum, but like a circuit at the theatre. Mm-hmm. Like starting from small, humble roots and then slowly so progressing. you through... think it's called Kinky Boots because they just wear kinky boots? No, I feel like that's like the name of the theatre or like what, you know, maybe the rival act is called Kinky Boots or something. <laughs> that's awesome. That would be my drag queen name. But do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of... yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not the dragged name because it's Lola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm so excited to watch this with you. I really, I really hope you like this one. Yeah. If only because I want to listen to the music more often. <laughs> well, there's been musicals that I didn't like that I put a few songs on. This is true. I can like the songs, but I can not like the show mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah so that makes sense maybe just maybe okay so we are off to change our minds and our hearts that's a song reference mm-hmm. and to put on some very kinky boots i already have <laughs> and we will see you when we return sure are we made it to the land of lola and returned unscathed yes well slightly scathed (laughs) mostly scathed i would say (laughs) yeah because your 11 week winning streak i think is over i'm really sorry we've had 11 weeks of overwhelming positivity 
Yeah. To be crushed. It's actually 11 weeks. I'm actually impressed. Yeah, I was looking back. So from Sister Act 2, mm-hmm. we did Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, we did Singing in the Rain, Anna in the Apocalypse, Meet Me in St. Louis, yeah. Elf, The Prom, Cats, <laughs> Ratatouille, Ruthless. And they are all crushed by the kinkiest of boots. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I... So I I generally can't tell whether or not you enjoy musicals when we're watching them because you're frantically writing notes yes. and you're trying to keep up with everything that's happening. And I try not to bug you too much about it, but I could tell that you weren't loving this one. Yeah, and I'm really disappointed by it, I have to say, because I really had, ironically, because it's a, you know, Brendan Urie song mm-hmm. high hopes for this one uh-huh. because yeah. I'd heard some really good things about it yeah. and it just it seemed like one I was really going to enjoy like this was one that I thought was going to be destined to be like good mm-hmm. and it just wasn't and the funny thing is you brought up the issues with it that I hadn't ever thought about before that made me dislike some of the characters a bit more, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> normally when we sit down and we chat about these things, like Legally Blonde, when we talked through Legally Blonde... You were well aware of some of these issues. Yeah, and you were like, oh, that makes me see them a bit differently now. And again, we've sat and talked about this one, like privately, obviously, away from the microphone, yeah. and you've made me like this less. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But I think think it's the same thing that we're having currently watching The Office because it's my like third or fourth rewatch of The American Office and it's the first time watching it. And there's certain things you say that make me realise, you know, this isn't okay. Yeah. However, what makes it more disappointing with Kinky Boots is the fact that this debuted a lot closer to where we are now than The Office did. And obviously these issues in The Office are bad for mid-2000s anyway. But when we're in like the 2010s, like a decade ago, less than a decade, mm-hmm. and these problems are cropping up in a show that I thought would be far more progressive than it actually was, yeah, is an issue. I'm just going to start off. I did see a really good tweet yep. from Chloe underscore Omelia, who follows us. Mm-hmm. And I just had to comment on it because I think it's true. Unpopular opinion. The music in Kinky Boots carries the show. I agree with that. I saw that tweet as well. I think it was because you liked it. Yes. So a lot of the issues that you have with the show aren't problematic because of the songs. Like, none of the songs have anything in them that you found particularly bad. And they're all written by Cindy Lauper. Yeah. And that's where her involvement ends. So it's really interesting that the issues come in through Harvey Firestein's writing. Yeah. Rather than the songs yeah that is interesting mm-hmm. like i say there are some nice moments to this but there are also some really interesting choices that i would say are on par with oklahoma in the way i view the protagonists yes and that for me is a big issue mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it as we go on but i think it's very jarring when a character that you are supposed to view the world through suddenly does something that you yourself consider unforgivable yeah 
and you are then supposed to stay with them for the next half an hour, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, takes me out of it completely. So I think we need to start talking about it. Yep. We start off with pricing some. Yes, indeed. And I personally really enjoy that the price and some theme song which is obviously like a radio jingle yeah. is used between scenes but only when we're going to the warehouse i think I that's clever up on that. That yeah is clever. i think that's a good use of we need to change the set really quickly yeah and we need something to happen so we'll just play this music i like it yeah you know we learn that charlie thinks shoes are the most beautiful thing in the world as a kid. As a kid. Yeah. That's really important because as he grows up, he kind of loses his way. Mm-hmm. And it's quite nice. We go from that straight into the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. This is actually one of my favourite songs in this show. I will say that in the time since watching it to talking about it now, mm-hmm. none of the songs have stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So my responses are very much when I watched them. I couldn't remember any of them right now. I think they're all... Watching it, I enjoyed the songs. That's what kept me going. But even now, Mm -hmm. I don't recall any of the songs. I can come away from most of the shows we watch and have one song stuck in my head. Yeah. Well, we've had that that whole issue with cats. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Last week. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not even just one song. Like, I'll suddenly just break into Rum Tum Tug or Mr. Mistopheles or... Yeah, we've had like a medley. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how any of these songs go yeah except the one that you've just sung absolutely beautifully thank you but even that took a lot of effort in me actually remembering how it went so So the most beautiful thing is the first song in the show yes but also the first song that cindy lauper wrote yes and she was looking at different ways of getting narrative through song and i think this is a brilliant example of storytelling and time change in a musical theatre Oh, yeah, because we do end up with time travel here. And I yeah. think it's, you know, quite impressive. Mm-hmm. I will say that I did think that the set was gorgeous. Yep. It's not quite beautiful on the level of shoes, mm-hmm. but it's a really gorgeous set. Yeah, it's, a, it's incredible. Yeah. The set design for this show is so nice. Yeah. With the turning block in yeah. the middle. Well, do you remember when we watched Legally Blonde and I said, like, the frat house looked cheap as the outside? The outside to Price and Sun doesn't look cheap. Yeah. And I think that's really, really impressive. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what you would want from this. Considering it is a flat that comes down. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's done really, really well. We learn from Charlie starting to grow up a little bit. What if I don't want to make shoes? And everyone just laughs like, ha, ha, I was going to... That is exactly what I was just about to say. That is one of my favourite lines in this is... Baby Charlie says to his dad, what if I don't want to make shoes? And his dad goes, well, you're a right funny kid, you are. Yeah. And just like, shoes him away. I love that line. (laughs) Shoes him away. Yep. Thank you, Badumtis. I laugh at your jokes. I know you do. Um, But I love that line. I think that's such weird character building. But like, that is everything I need to know about him as a child. Yeah. And it's everything we need to know about him going forward. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Two lines. But we also meet Baby Lola, or at least who I assume at this time is Baby Lola. Mm -hmm. And Baby Lola owns heels. Yep. And Dad is not happy. No. And I also think it's very small 
maybe 30 second to a minute moment of this show Mm -hmm. but does so much in Lola's character building that carries us forward and I think it's it can't be understated how important that is you know you don't need to write a five minute scene that shows Charlie's upbringing blah 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 you don't need to write a five minute scene that shows Lola's upbringing yeah you show that small sequence and we know everything we need to know Mm -hmm. and that's very effective yes and the three overlapping lines at the end of this song which I absolutely love we have Charlie's dad yeah we have Nicola the most irritating woman in the world Mm -hmm. and baby Lola and their lines are these shoes uh, it's something about these shoes are something of our family history, remnants of our family history, something yeah. like that. These shoes will carry me to where I want to be, which is Nicola. And don't you go anywhere because you belong to me yeah. for Lola with the little baby heels, which is so cute. But I do always wonder, where does she get those from? Is mum about? No. We never meet the character, but maybe it's They something. never mention. They do look too big. So, but that kid is so cute. Oh yeah, both kids are really adorable. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed that we went straight into the time traveling here because I kind of wanted to see a bit more of that world. But yeah. at the same time, in hindsight, we've done enough with them. I think it's just a testament to how cute these kids are mm. and how good performers they are. Yeah, but we get it's a shame that they traveling. don't come on again. They come on, yeah, just for the encore, and that just feels very weird to me. Like, mm. could we not have more? moments like flashing back to them or could we, oh you could have had a really nice moment where lola is like singing you know lola's last song yeah the soliloquy yeah could you have had baby lola come on and do that as well like it's yeah. the inner child finally or saying what they not wanted my to father's say. son yeah exactly the same yeah. could we have had something like that yeah. we get time traveling And literally, baby Charlie walks behind a wardrobe and then adult Charlie steps out. It's a really smooth transition. I love love changes like that in shows. I love it so much. I love it in 42nd Street with the giant coin rolls across. Basically, it's all these showgirls in their audition outfits. And then a giant coin rolls across the stage. And as they go past, there's a dresser behind the coin who takes their clothes off of them. That's so cool. But they literally have like tear away outfits. And then when they come out from the other side of the coin, they're wearing showgirl outfits. And it's amazing. It's so sick. No, things like that. Again, going back to Legally Blonde, but going down the pole and that costume change. I I do love it when you have like this real magic on stage. Mm -hmm. The only kind of magic that I like. Yeah, it's when people do those quick changes. But it's also one of the things that I found most impressive about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is some of the magic that they do. Because mm-hmm. especially when you're sat right by the stage and you're like, I still can't figure out how they're doing this. It's yeah. just clever. So, so we do meet Nicola yes. and we learn that Charlie must slip her feet into the shoes on stage before a ring slips onto her finger. Yeah, they're Louboutins. Yeah. She won't say yes Stupidly to Stupidly expensive shoes. Yeah, she won't say yes to a proposal until she has those shoes. Yeah, he says, they're worth like three months rent. And she says, pinch them or pay for them. That's up to you. Yeah. But these shoes are in my future. Which, if she wants, she if, if she wants these shoes, how much does she think he's going to spend on an engagement ring? I know. Well, what's it supposed <laughs> to be? Interest. Three months rent, I believe. No, not three months rent. Ugh. Three months wages is what you're supposed to put on a wedding ring. Or an that is the most ring. ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I'm just cheap, but like... <laughs> no, I think... 
I'm a romantic and you know this, but mm. I think that sometimes... We settle too much money on things that are fundamentally unimportant. But this is it. Like, obviously, all that money that you would spend on that engagement ring could also go towards the wedding, could also go towards house and right. all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, it's a nice gesture. And obviously, the right ring speaks to you like these shoes have spoken to Nicola. Yeah. But... If you're doing it, it's detrimental to the fact you then have to scrimp on something you want in the wedding. Is it worth it? Yeah. And then, anyway. Yeah. Nicola is dragging Charlie away from the family. Yes. And my favourite line in this whole song, which is that there's a pause in the song as it builds and Charlie goes, you do realise you're all talking about shoes. Yeah. I never knew shoes meant so much, but Mm. I love that. I did write that line down. And then I got really confused because I didn't know where they were now. Yeah. And and Charlie doesn't know what he wants, but what he does know is it's not shoes. Fair enough. Yeah, so there's a, a sort of semi-transition in that the back of one of the shoe stacks turns into a fold-down bed, which is supposed to represent Charlie and Nicola's flat in London. Yes. Which is obviously teeny tiny. Yeah. Yeah, because they're making sacrifices. They're starting their life anew. Mm-hmm. We have... Now gone from Price and Son to Price and None because Dad is dead from heartbreak. Yeah, he gets a really sad phone call that to say that his dad has had a heart attack and died. Yeah, because Charlie abandoned Charlie him. abandoned him. Mm-hmm. So Charlie is a de facto boss, but he doesn't want to be. No, and he gets really upset every time he gets called Mister Price. Yeah, he doesn't like it. <laughs> It is large shoes to slip into. Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially when you don't want this life, Mm -hmm. it's very, very difficult. And the beginning of this show goes by so quickly. Like, there's so much of this stuff that kind of happens. I'm kind of like, huh. A lot of other shows or a lot of other media would probably take a good half an hour to get to this point. Yeah. But this is so, like, sudden. that, And to the credit of this show, it doesn't waste time on like unnecessary scenes yeah everything we see is important i would say there's a few moments that it should add but it doesn't there's nothing that feels like filler i know i've said this to you in the past that you could cut this scene and we'd be fine like last week we could cut peaks and pollicles and i still think we'd have a great show Mm -hmm. this show doesn't have any filler and i think that's quite interesting yeah it's very it in that sense, I'd say it's well written. Yeah, and the other thing that they do very, very quickly in this show is we have to have Charlie and Lola meet. Yes. As quickly as possible so that Lola can be in it for longer. Whereas the movie, which obviously this is based off of, I feel like it takes a lot longer to introduce Lola yeah. as a character. Yeah, well... Although I think his dad is dead the entire time in the movie. So they've changed that around a bit. We learn that Price and Son isn't doing very well. There is a year's worth of shoes and no one to buy them. Yeah, two seasons worth of stock yeah. are still in the warehouse and they're working on the new season's stock. Yeah. So they're about to have three seasons worth of Oxfords yeah. in their warehouse going nowhere. Yeah, which is a lot of money invested. Yeah. And we learn that Mr. Price favoured people over profits, which yeah. is obviously now left Charlie not only with an empire to run and 
people who need these jobs, but also very little income. So Charlie goes down to London and we get Take What You Got, mm -hmm. where he tries to sell to Harry at a discount rate. Yeah. So Harry is his dad's friend's son, who also runs a shoe manufacturer, yeah. except they import from a cheap warehouse yeah. somewhere else. And neither are passionate about shoes, which, you know, I can relate to. Yeah. I want to rescind what I just said about there being no filler, because... Considering Harry never comes back again, mm -hmm. this is a waste of time. Yeah, but this song is so good. <laughs> no, it's a good song, but this whole sequence is a waste in hindsight because Harry isn't there. Yeah, if it ended up with Harry coming to help him or Harry being like, do you know what, You're, you were right, I don't care enough about this. Yeah, or Harry being hired, like the first act as the new Mr. Price is to hire Harry... And Harry's in a character like his second in the in the running of the factory. Yeah. Together they'll do this because their half passion each adds up to one whole passion. Sure. But yeah, this is a waste because Harry isn't a character from this point onwards. Yeah. We get the, you know, my least favourite sentiment about fast fashion culture, which is that Charlie tells Harry that the shoes that he sells are going to break yeah. in a year. And Harry says, yeah, and then in a year, I'll sell them another pair of shoes and then I'll keep making money. And Charlie's saying that the shoes that Price and Son sells will last a man a lifetime, which obviously isn't going to make you any money, yeah. but is good manufacturing. And it just... It's the issue I have with a lot of mobile phones it's nowadays. It's a really weird sentiment to present in this show. Yeah. Like, I understand why it's a bad thing. And obviously, the whole point is, like, the poor man can only afford poorly made shoes. So he'll have to buy another poor pair of poorly made shoes in a year, which means he's spending more money on shoes than a rich man who can afford a pair of shoes yeah. that will last a lifetime. And that's how the poor stay poor. And that's the point that Harry's making? Yeah. Like, what is happening in this show about drag queens? Yeah, so Charlie leaves yeah. and bumps into Lola. He notices Lola is being harassed and does the decent thing and tries to stand up for Lola. Yeah. But ends up getting knocked out. Yes, I love this this moment of Lola takes her boot off and at this point, obviously, we don't know that it's Lola. She takes her boot off and she says, leave it to me, kind sir. I can deal with the likes of these brutes. And she swings her shoe around and knocks Charlie out with yes. her heel. And then Charlie wakes up in a fever dream with yep. the land of Lola. Yes. And the, the placement of that is very cool because you can kind of... You're like, is this real? Is this real life? Like, am I still just like knocked out? And it's very well placed because this is a completely different world for charlie mm -hmm. he's never been exposed to anything like this he's not the first guy to fall for lola and he won't be the last no it's a great line incredible and it is really a, a fantastic introduction to lola to her character to her world yep her sass is great her presence is amazing mm -hmm. i feel like everything in this world becomes more energised, becomes more fun yeah. when she's around. Oh, 100%. And... This song is so great. Yeah. Just some of the lyrics are so funny. 
Like we have the leave that hum humdrum place of glum behind. Once you walk inside these doors, you're mine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, 100%. I will do whatever you say, <laughs> Lola. I love Ginger Rogers' Savoir Faire with the moves of Fred Astaire. That is, which is true. And I'm Black Jesus, I'm Black Mary, but these Mary's legs are hairy. Incredible. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a really good song and it really does introduce you to Lola, who, you know, is a character that is aware of who she is, mm -hmm. but also very much aware that I'm going to say how I want to be presented and that's what the role is. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Charlie is responsible for breaking her heel. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it was his face that, you know, broke it. Yeah. You, she says, you've got a very hard head. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he reckons that he could fix it, mm -hmm. which, you know, yes. And he does, because he's got his toolkit in his pocket. He's got to be fairly passionate about shoes that he would bring that with him. Yeah, he well, just doesn't want to be his dad. He has daddy issues. Well, this is the thing, and it's something that we establish way later in the show, but is established quite early on in the film, is that Charlie knows how to use every single machine in the factory yeah. because his dad made him learn how to do it all. And also he just carries around this shoe tool, which I guess if you're going for a meeting with a buyer, why wouldn't you take that yeah. with you just in case? But... It's just super interesting. He's taking it far more seriously than he seemed like he was going to mm -hmm. when he went up and found that he was the de facto boss. Yeah. It's like, it's still an obligation. He still doesn't want to do it, but no. he's taking it seriously at a certain level. But this is what's nice about this next sequence is we do have a lot of back and forth, back and forth between the factory and London. Mm -hmm. Charlie is clearly less invested in the workers He's going to make redundancies, which his dad would never have dreamed of. Yeah. And I, I wrote down a question because mm -hmm. at this point I was like, hmm, I wonder how this show is going to go. Is he going to end up manufacturing shoes for Lola and her gals? Yeah. And sure enough, moments later, one of his workers, Lauren, suggests that Charlie needs to find a niche market. Yes. Which is going to become the Kinky Boots. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out the plot <laughs> of this one. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Charlie wants to marry Nicola. Because she's awful. Yeah, because she doesn't seem to care about people at all. No. And I don't understand Nicola why she's with him. is, like Harry, such an on-character. Yeah. And I have real issue with it. The problem is, there's a lot of this show that does try to move forward 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 mm -hmm. and tries to reach the end game of this is where we want to be but as a result there are so many extra scenes that could be there that aren't and i think nicola's character needs so much more fleshing out yeah see i think the thing with that character is if so say hypothetically i get to rewrite kinky boots i would have it so that she is here the whole time and she's really upset that she hasn't gotten to go to London and follow her dreams yeah. because of Charlie. And that as the show goes on, she starts, she, cause we find out that she has looked over the paperwork for the building. We never see her do that. If and that it was never that, goes anywhere. No. If it was that she's working admin yeah. for Charlie while they're staying here to sort of fix this. And she starts making everyone's lives a lot more difficult because she starts 
firing people and cutting staff and cutting wages because they can't afford it, that would make way more sense. But the problem is it doesn't fit this show. No, it doesn't. So... She's not interesting enough. But this is it. Her whole character is just so unnecessary and should just be got rid of. Yeah. Charlie has gone to London because he actually wants to do something new. He's taken a job. He has to quit said job immediately and come back home. Mm -hmm. Just cut Nicola. She serves no point to this plot. The one bit she does do, which is the paperwork, could easily be done by a lawyer. Yeah. It could just be his dad's lawyer shows up. It could just be... and, And Nicola serves no purpose, especially because... I know that Charlie is going to end up with Lauren. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. But I know that at this point. It's like, hmm, okay, so he's going to end up with Lauren. He's twigged it. He knows what his niche market is going to be. It's going to be, surprise, surprise, Lola and the Queens. Yeah, the Angels. The Angels, that's what they were. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. So we have... It's because I'm remembering the Jellicle Ball last week where we had Queens and Kittens. (laughs) Yeah. All kinds of queens. And it's appropriate because my next note is Lola tells us the correct terminology. Yes. Which actually is very, very important for this show. And also at this point outdated. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. A little bit, you know. Yeah. I I still think, though, it's an important part of the world and an important part of the realism. Mm -hmm. If Charlie is going to work with Lola and the Angels... Charlie has no idea about this world. So you need to start by saying... This is how you address me. This is how you address me. This is how you address us. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. You know, Mm -hmm. Lola is getting the pronouns out. Yeah. It's one of the most important orders of business for her. Mm -hmm. And it's done. I almost wish it was even clearer and that we just had Lola say, hey, my pronouns are she, her. Yeah. Or she, they. Yeah. Because she doesn't really seem to care. And we're using she because the characters in the show use she. Yeah. And Lola herself uses she pronouns to describe herself. But obviously we then have characters who don't. And she doesn't seem fussed by it. No. But it's also not addressed. No, it isn't. But I think it's very, very important that we do actually show the obstacles that Lola encounters day to day. Because it makes us better as people through watching this. The problem is, and we'll talk about this later... There are some characters who break this that never should. Yeah. Charlie does initially struggle with the right terminology. Yeah. Fair. I can understand if this is your first time being exposed to this world. Mm -hmm. And I think what's nice is that Lola isn't obnoxious about it. Lola's understanding that Charlie comes from a background with no kind of awareness to this world and is patient and supportive. Yeah, and it helps that actually they come from the same background. Yes. But... Obviously, in different ways. Yeah. But Charlie doesn't want Lola to come to Northampton. I think kind of knowing what the environment in the factory is like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's preservation for Lola. I don't know if that's just preservation for Charlie and Charlie's scheme. I think the second Charlie's plot is is public to Mm -hmm. the factory. They'll stop working. Yeah. And we have... An excellent line from Lola where she says that she has a terrible habit of doing exactly the opposite of what she's told to do and that she'll see him in Northampton to pick up her shoes. Oh, and to make them red. Yes. We then go to Charlie's soliloquy. Yes. We have the question posed, do I belong here? Mm -hmm. By the end of the show, he will. I'm in no doubt whatsoever. This is a really weird little song. Yes. Yes. Because obviously it's a soliloquy. It's very short. 
And it leads into step one, which is a very upbeat, it is. It's, I'm doing this song. But this is what I like about the soliloquy is we start off quite intimidated. You've got the paintings of his ancestors watching him, which, you know, yeah. that's intimidating. You mm -hmm. can kind of understand he is a dynasty. Like, yep. you are the fifth generation, for instance, of shoemakers. I can't remember yeah, how many I think many he portraits. is. He's fourth or fifth, yeah. So that's intimidating. But as he works, he feels more comfortable. And we go into step one and he becomes the hero who reinvents the heel. This is the first song I could really picture Brendan Urie singing. Oh, yeah. Step one. And yeah, he's very quickly gone from meh to family is important. So you feel like this song is very montage -y, like Charlie's working and it's not just one night. It's yeah, a couple of days, a couple well. of days, a couple of weeks. And I like that. But it's because Lola says she'll come in a week. Yes. To pick it up. Oh, so it's been it a week. Yeah. But it's cool. Lola arrives and she is upset. She inspired something burgundy. Yes. So I would be too. Burgundy is for hot water bottles. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's some fun lines here, some interplay with Lola and the other workers. We get a really good do not enter with Lola pointing. Yes. At a certain exit. Yep. Lola's a very confident character and there's a lot of stuff that I think anyone else... I'm going to make the comparison to Cats last week. Sure. That... There's a lot of this that could look really silly mm -hmm. if you didn't get the right performer. Yeah. And Lola is so committed to everything that it never comes across comical mm -hmm. unless it's obviously supposed to. Yeah. No, Matt Henry is a phenomenal performer. Yes. And every single bit, you don't feel like this is a caricature. You, They have got an amazing performer here. Mm -hmm. I believe everything. I believe this is Lola. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's a lot of things that could look silly from other performers. It doesn't because the level of commitment is amazing. Lola confuses George. I love George. George is one of my favourite characters in this whole show. <laughs> George is my favourite yeah, character in the show. Other than Lola, mm -hmm. George is my favourite character. George is an older man who was obviously Mr. Price's second because, or he's the foreman, I think. Yeah. Which means he's in charge of all of the workers in the factory. And every time he interacts with Lola, he gets really... Flustered. Flustered. And, and like, fixes his hair. Yeah. And it's just really cute to see a sort of older guy. Well, this is... I remember we've talked about this. And what I like is... You've obviously got a lot of the other factory who are uncomfortable mm -hmm. by Lola. And especially because those people, I would say, are similar age to Charlie. Yeah, it's sort of an even split of who is and isn't. You would be forgiven for thinking that the old generation would also be incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's very different from what they grew up with. Mm -hmm. But George is just so like, huh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, basically. And George is just so like easygoing about everything. And it's just really wholesome that he's just into the whole idea. Mm -hmm. And I, I really liked it. We get a great line from, you know, a, a couple of the performers and Lola. Sex shouldn't be comfy. Oh, good. I thought it was just me. Yeah. And that takes us into <laughs> sex is in the heel. Yeah. Don is not impressed. Don is not impressed because he makes an inappropriate remark towards Lola. Yes. In saying that he thinks the shoes would look pretty good on her. Yeah. Or something along those lines. And she walks over to him, sits down on his lap because he sat with 
like man spreading. Yeah. And says, well, if you can't get real girls to wear them, you'll never get blokes like me. And Don doesn't get it straight away. Yeah. And every all the girls in the in the factory laugh. Lola gets up and walks away, and then Don suddenly freaks out because his masculinity has been challenged. I will say this. Don is one of my favourite characters because there is a level of growth there. Oh, character growth. Yeah, it's nice to see it in someone. Yes, exactly. And I think there's a lot that Don does that makes me uncomfortable, but you are supposed to be made uncomfortable by Mm -hmm. it. But by the end, the person Don has transformed into, it's not the big, you know, complete 360 you wouldn't expect. But actually, for this character, it's enough. Yeah, we're not getting the sense that this is some miracle that he's a completely different man. He has started learning more about the world. Yeah. And I think Don is one of the best characters in this as well. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with early Don's viewpoints. No. But what I like, it's important. The character that he is at yeah. the end, it's an interesting arc. It's worth having that opening to the person he becomes at the end. Yeah. I think. As uncomfortable as it made me feel. I think that's important. We need to be subjected to the things that make us uncomfortable and learn from them. Yeah. Lola has brought her angels with her. Yep. To make a statement. Yeah. <laughs> because why not? The choreography in this number is great. And yes. I would say that for this show as a whole, the choreography is pretty cool when yeah. it comes to these big set pieces. Mm-hmm. You have really interesting songs that go from big Broadway numbers to kind of like concert numbers. Yeah. I know what you mean. My favourite section of this song is asserting actual scientific reason. Yes. And explaining what heels are for, which is hilarious. Yep. And just the the angels dancing is so good. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we're faced with is that stiletto heels cannot bear the weight of a fully grown man, or and so Charlie what says. What I love is the George Foreman. Yep, George the Foreman. Gets very into it. And he figures out how to make the heel strong enough that not even Don could break it. Yes. So they decide normally the way that heels are made is the heel piece is not attached to the rest of the sole. But George thinks that if they could mould the whole bottom of the shoe in one piece of steel, then it would be fine and no one would be able to break it. Yeah. Even Don. So Lola goes to leave at the end of this number, Mm -hmm. but Charlie wants her to stay. She won't stay here because of guys like Don. Yep. But Charlie wants Lola to design because she has passion. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, everything at this point about Charlie, I like him as a character. He is a fish out of water. Like, yes, he knows this world, but it's not what he wanted. I think we can all appreciate that we've had to do stuff in life we don't want. And sometimes that does come down to the fact that we have duty to friends or family. Mm-hmm. I think we can all like that about Charlie. And, you know, he's asking for help at this point. He's recognised a weakness. Yeah. He's asking for help. In a world of toxic masculinity where one of the last things we see men do is ask for help, Mm -hmm. I think that's very refreshing. Yeah. It just makes me hate where Charlie ends up even more. Because at this point, I'm really starting to like him. Yeah. And I feel very betrayed by Charlie. And you will learn why very, very shortly. Mm Mm-hmm. Three weeks is all he needs. Yep. He wants Lola to design the kinky boots. Mm-hmm. In fairness, Lola's designs are gorgeous. Yeah. Like, they are really nice. Oh, yeah. And he's definitely become more confident as a leader. Mm-hmm. 
I think you like this next song way more than I do. <laughs> yeah. History of Wrong Guys. Mm-hmm. So Charlie announces that they're going to move ahead with producing the new boots. And he basically says that because Lauren is the one that sparked the idea, she should be moving up in the world. So he offers her a promotion and she accepts the promotion, but then suddenly realises... Lauren loves Charlie, yep. which is a very confusing sentence for me to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Siblings. <laughs> yep. I've matched the wrong sibling with the wrong partner. Yep. This song is just girls want to have fun. Yeah, it is. And, you know... I just love... Women have been making bad choices. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. My problem with this song comes down to her performance... Because there's some really weird mannerisms, like she licks the shoe and she does yeah. weird twitches. And she just becomes too comedic for this song. I I really like this song. I like the way that it's been performed before. Natalie McQueen in this, she's a phenomenal singer she is. and performer. But I've seen American actresses play this role more subtly. And I think that's super this interesting. Is it. This isn't subtle. Yeah. This is Home Alone. Of having a brick to the face mm-hmm. eight or nine times before the joke ends. And it just, it's not funny. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I just it's... find it funny that uh, this is an English cast yeah. playing English characters. Yeah. And that I've seen American actresses play this more downplayed. <sighs> and still as funny. It's a weird direction thing. It just, mm. it doesn't work with the tone of the rest of the show. The rest of this show was more comedic in tone and nature. It would be fine, but it just feels yeah. very jarring. I feel like if this song came after a sadder song, it's... because we've just had this incredible choreography and upbeat yeah. sexes in the heel, and then she sings this, and it's like, no, we were already laughing. But it's not so much the song that I have the problem with. It's, it's just the weird direction. Mm. You know, it just... I don't want the love interest of the main character being a comedic character. I feel like she should match Charlie. If we want a comedic love interest, then surely we we could have like a secondary character who's below Charlie, who is this comedic male figure. Yeah. And they could be telling Lauren and they could give her the promotion. Mm -hmm. And the pair of them together, the comedic lovers. Well, the other thing is I've seen other Charlies who are dorky, funny Mm. Charlies who match this version of Lauren. With Lawrence, who are more subtle than this, which it's, is super interesting. It's the Commedia dell'arte thing for me is you have two sets of lovers, and we're watching it with The Office. You've got Jim and Pam. Mm-hmm. They are funny, but they are they match each other. Well, we've talked about it with any classic musical, yeah. like Oklahoma. Yeah, you have the main lovers, and then you have the comedy lovers exactly. who are a foil. And it all comes down to Commedia dell'arte with you know your serious lovers that conduct themselves appropriately, and then your secondary lovers who are a bit more clumsy and are your comedic relief. Mm-hmm. In this version, Charlie doesn't match Lauren. Sure. If we have a dorkier Charlie, they match, it's fine. If we have a more serious Lauren, they match, they're fine. At the moment, it's jarring. I don't root for them. I don't want them to be together. Mm-hmm. I didn't like this performance. So we cut to the next day, and Lola has made the decision to come to work wearing a men's suit. Yes. And we see that before she even comes in the door, everyone's waiting to see what she'll be wearing, yeah. basically, including all of the like less accepting characters. And we get a really nice moment where George stands up to Don as well, which I think mm-hmm. is very cool. Yeah, we have just the most horrific line yeah. where 
Lola asks where the bathroom is, and Don says, well, we have gents and we have ladies. Yeah. And basically, we don't have one for you. Because he sucks. (laughs) This is the thing. I could feel the vulnerability here. And it's heartbreaking to think that Lola would have to compromise just to try and fit in. Mm. Ain't that just the way? Yeah. Um, Whatever Lola wanted to be as a child, Dad beat out of mm. her. Yep. And he tried to train Lola to be a boxer, which actually is going to be quite important later on. Yes, and we find out that actually Lola was pretty good yeah. at it. Won 12 amateur fights, yep. I believe it was. Maybe not one, but took part in 12 amateur fights. Yeah, and that she was supposed to go mainstream. I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. term is. No, but we, you know, pro. Yeah. Supposed to go professional, and she showed up to her first fight in a sparkly white cocktail gown. And then... Incredible. And then dad stopped talking. Yeah, and, and has refused to see Lola even during a fight with lung cancer. So there's a lot going on. And this is all said to Charlie. Yep. And Charlie, I will say, at this point is is reacting the way any decent human being should. Is listening, isn't trying to say or, or, or say anything along the lines of, well, he just doesn't understand. It's just listening. Yeah. Well, and cries during this number as well. Like, yeah. the vulnerability is amazing. I don't know whether that was... A direction choice because I I don't remember any other version of it where I've seen the actor playing Charlie cry during yeah. this song, but they have similarly complex feelings for their fathers. Yeah. And so Lola sings the first part of Not My Father's Son, and yeah. then Charlie joins in and says, It's a really, really beautiful moment. You know, it's the same. And there's some really nice lines from Lola that, you know, show almost a sense of I'm trying to laugh about this even though it doesn't make me feel comfortable and I'm not going to repeat some of them because it's not something that should come from me mm-hmm. but I'm sure people know you know the things if you've seen the show you know what Lola says yeah but there's heartbreaking things as well that then do show the vulnerability the best part of me is what he wouldn't see yeah and I think again I've said it moments ago but it's very refreshing to see toxic masculinity and male vulnerability in such a public forum mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of media that shows these kinds of relationships or show it as being okay for men to cry yeah and i think it's quite refreshing and if it is shown that like it's okay for men to cry it's because it's part of an arc where we're like helping somebody overcome yeah. those emotions whereas this is no we already know it's okay we're yeah. just doing it no exactly and it's quite it well, makes a big difference do you know what it is is it normal yeah that's what I like. Yeah. It's not like this big moment of you can cry, Charlie. It's okay. It just does. Mm. And I, you know, I think that's really important. And it's even more heartbreaking what happens later on. Yes. Because this is such a nice moment. And I'm loving Charlie at this point. Yeah. I think he's one of the best characters at this point I have ever seen mm. represented. And Lola introduces herself to Charlie by her birth name with a really nice line where she says, Charlie from Northampton, meet Simon from Claxton. Yeah. Which is really cute because then we find out as well that they come from the same sort of background. But this is also very important that I want to note at this point is Lola has introduced to Simon for this point, but it is just between her and Charlie. Mm -hmm. This isn't a case of whilst I'm here, People can call me Simon. Mm-hmm. You've just met no, Simon. The only person that knows Lola's birth yeah. name 
and I'm tempted to call it a dead name, but we never discussed that within yes. this show. So we'll just say birth name for now. The only person that knows Lola's birth name is Simon, is Charlie. That's it. Nobody else knows that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, this isn't a case of, well, whilst I'm here, people can call me Simon. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a moment where it's, I'd like you to... Know me. me. Yeah. yeah, to know me. This is a very private moment. Yeah. So we'll get onto that in a moment. <laughs> yeah, but we will. It's a really sweet moment when they come together. Yeah. And then we go to Nicola, who's back, and she's introducing Richard Bailey. Oh, is she having an affair? Who knows? It doesn't matter because she's not important. She's not that interesting. But she kind of does seem like she is. It does. If but it, I don't Richard think Bailey's a... her boss. Yeah, but he's like weirdly into her. Yeah. We we never really see either of them again, so it doesn't actually matter. But Nicola wants to sell the land and convert it into flats. Yeah, condos. And she's talking about saving all of the like workers by workers by a payout. Yeah. Which doesn't actually save them. And it's just supposed to point out to us that Nicola still doesn't get people. No. And however, we do learn. We learn that Mr. Price was going to sell, apparently. Yeah. And do you know what? Because he thought that would help his people. Nothing more ever comes of it. Nope, we never mention it again. And I don't know if this is just Nicola lying to try and convince Charlie or if this is a real thing. And I think that's a real flaw with this script. Yeah, but why don't we ever get closure on it? Why is it never picked up on again? Yeah. Well, he just... Charlie's like, no, I'm not having any of this and just walks away and it's never brought up again. So I assume that him saying no, the estate agent or whoever it is... It was um, Nicola's boss. Yeah, well, they're, they're real realtors, right? Yeah. So I assume that he just took it no for an answer and was like, cool. Well, yeah, because the sale hadn't gone through. So it's not like he has any legal right to it. But but it's literally, she mentions that there's like one document that needs signing. But the worst bit about it is because Charlie is doing this for family, mm-hmm. right? And he's trying to honour his dad's legacy and he's struggling with that. And we're left with this impression that his dad isn't a nice person. Like he seemed to be in the three minutes that we met him and the fondness that everyone else talks of him, that he was a, a, a you know, people over profits person. Well, if you think about the last conversation that we see them have, which supposedly is the last conversation they have before he dies, yeah, is Charlie's dad guilt tripping him about leaving the family business when we then find out that he was planning on mm. selling it anyway. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Give me some closure to this this point, like yeah. in Act Two, because we're nearing the interval. Let me know that Nicola made this all up because she was just trying to move on and get Charlie back down to London, or let me know that he actually did this, but it was because he knew it was failing and it was the only way that he could ensure that his staff would get something. You've painted him to be this really important figure. Don't villainize him and then never give us anything to redeem him. Charlie says no, but everybody says yeah. And Charlie unveils the kinky boots. Yep. Drew, when is a shoe not a shoe? Is this a joke or is it a lyric from the show? Well, it's more an observation. Okay. When it's used as a microphone, Mm -hmm. when it's used to shovel people away, or when it's used as an air guitar. Yep. Because that's what happens during this number. The kinky boots are used for multiple different things. Isn't this song, the choreography this, oh my gosh. The choreography for any number with Lola and the Angels is amazing. But just the, what do you call them? 
the conveyor belts. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say treadmills. They're kind well, of I'll call them treadmills in a second. The angels come off the conveyor belt looking really sexy, which is mm-hmm. great. I just love that they come out of the production line. It's so yeah. funny. It's such a great way to have them enter. But then it does become a treadmill because Lola and Charlie are using them as treadmills. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm watching an OK Go music video. It's great. Yeah. It's and a- then they pull apart. Yeah. And then a swivel drown so that we can all be on one. And then it's very cool. It's a great way to end act one. You feel very optimistic. Mm -hmm. Don, in the background of this, dances with one of the angels for about a minute. And then like she sort of twirls him away. And then he looks really like shocked that he would do that, which I think is a little interesting insight into his character. Yeah. So, yeah. Considering he's still being horrible to Lola. Yeah, because we come back to Act 2 and Don is jealous of Lola. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he says, what did we talk about yesterday? This doesn't constitute proper working attire. Yeah. And then Lola, great, was like, well, we'll change then. You know, mm-hmm. turn it around. And we have a debate. How does a real man act? Yeah. We get the next song, which is What a Woman Wants. Basically not Don. Yeah. Do you remember what they said? No, not specifically. I just paraphrased and was like, not Don. Yeah, basically. So they, they're sort of arguing about what women actually look for in men. And Don says masculinity and like muscles to hold on to and someone to treat her like a woman, which whatever that means. Well, doesn't Lola do a thing where like she shows her muscles at that point as well? Where it's like, yeah, he's uh, like a hello. muscle to clutch and, and Lola does that and is like beefier than Donna's, yeah. which is incredible. But Lola says sensitivity, tender touch, like to be gentle with her, yeah. to look after her. And the fact that women are attracted to Lola because she's curiosity, yeah, like embodied and that, you know... Well, I really like Lola's whole style here. Mm-hmm. Like the trousers she's wearing, everything. She just looks amazing. And we also learn that what a woman wants is a rock solid... Commitment. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> sure. Yes, and Lola offers a challenge. Write down what you think I need to do to be a real man mm-hmm. and I'll do the same. Yep, whatever you tell me to do, I will have to do it. But you'll have to do the same for me. And she's going to play Don at his own game. Mm-hmm. Don says he's not wearing a dress and Lola's like, okay. Yeah. Like as if I was going to ask you to do that anyway. And then we go to In This Corner. Mm-hmm. I will say this is one of my favourite songs. This is one of my favourite introductions to a scene. Yeah. Because Lauren, everybody's gone off stage for some quick changes. Yeah. And a quick set change. And Lauren runs on stage and is like, Charlie, you need to help me. I think Don's going to kill Lola. And Charlie is more worried about Don because Lola is a professionally trained fighter. Professionally trained boxer, yeah. Lauren's like, oh, well, of course she is. <laughs> but even George is like worried, but it's just like a really wholesome character yet again. Yeah, George is worried, but he's also like, go Lola. <laughs> yeah, it's just so wholesome. Because <laughs> so they've, the, do you know what I like? And I noticed it more during this point in time mm-hmm. that the majority of the factory the female workers side with lola yes except for one woman except for one and then you have the majority of the male workers side with don except yeah except george one. Mm-hmm. and i quite liked that it was nice to see that it wasn't just men 
hating online. It was nice to see that even one female character didn't like it. Yeah. I feel like that's better representation. Mm-hmm. I really liked the sexy 69 ref angel. Yeah, that's cool. It's just funny. It's It plays up to the drag persona, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I'm not that familiar with it, but we've shown me some RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, we've just started watching the UK RuPaul. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it fits this persona mm-hmm. of like kind of sexy ring girl. Well, it's it's a comedic take on the stereotypical sexy ring girl. Yes, that's what I mean. And it, it works because like what I've started to notice about drag is it's mm-hmm. very tongue in cheek as well. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's comedy. It is a pantomime comedy act. Yeah, basically. But it's also very sexy. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's very cool. And I think they nailed it here with this sequence. My favourite thing is the angel who is the ring girl has really, really long hair. And every time she turns around, it smacks Don across the face. I'll tell you what I do appreciate, though. Don, at least, is pronouning correctly. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Yeah. All of these people on... Don's side, Mm -hmm. every single person pronouns correctly. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because even though there's this big debate about, you know, what is going on, they're still respectful at the very core. Yeah, it's so, it's it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice considering everything they're on about that they could just use the incorrect pronouns. And yet, despite everything they're saying. I wonder if that's a decision just to keep the audience... (laughs) Just to keep people in the audience who maybe aren't as savvy about pronouns anyway, understanding who we're talking Probably. about. Probably. I think so. I think I think it becomes far more problematic if sometimes Lola is... Misgendered. Misgendered. And it would affect an audience who isn't as aware of pronouns in the way they follow it. Mm-hmm. The fight choreography is the best part of this show so far. Especially because... The ring girl becomes part of yeah. the ring. She lies down on her back and puts her leg up in the air and they hook the elastics, the other side of the ring, onto her stiletto. Yeah, it's and amazing. she just lies there with her leg in the air for like yeah. 10 minutes. It's great. It's so good. I have to say I was quite surprised that Don won. However. However. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think, is this whole point that will this win Don's respect and tolerance? But in a scene after the fight, Don knows that Lola took a dive. Yeah, so Lola is absolutely obliterating Don. Yeah. Because Don, obviously, this is a weird pub where they have a boxing ring in the pub. Yeah, you fight out your problems, basically. Yeah, which is fine. I understand the concept. But so Don is obviously like this big champion winner in this pub. And that because he has a belt and everything. Yeah. And trophies and things. Lola is absolutely obliterating him and then pretends to like over-exaggeratedly celebrate and yeah. lets Don get in one good shot and goes down. Yeah. And then afterwards Don buys a drink and says, You let like I know you let me win, why would you do that? Yeah. And it's because it would be embarrassing for him to lose in yes. front of all his friends. And we then learn what Lola's challenge is. Yeah. A real man should accept someone for who they are. And I underline should, because a real man should accept someone for who they are. Yeah, so Don's challenge is to accept one person for who they are. Yeah. And Don says, well, what do you mean, accept you? And Lola's like, no, why? It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just do it and tell me when you do. 
and that's it. Yeah. Like she has no expectation that Don will accept her. It just has to be somebody. Yeah. Which I like. So we now go to kind of the office Mm -hmm. and we learn that they're all ready to go to Milan. Yeah. Except double mortgaged his flat. Yep. Lauren has messed up on finances. They can't afford the models and the airfare and everything. Mm. And I write down here, here's a response, here's an idea, take the angels, it would be free. Why were they using female models anyway? Well, this is it, because I think at this point Charlie still doesn't quite have the nerve to say we are completely turning this this business around and we're doing shoes for drag queens. Mm -hmm. So the idea being that they're going to market these to women, but also they know that on the side it's going to go to Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense though. And, you know, I will say Charlie is taking this seriously, like he should. Mm-hmm. It may not be passion, but the drive is the most we've seen Charlie have. But I think it's interesting because it doesn't seem like the Charlie we met at the start of the show would have taken it seriously. No, he has become more passionate about this than I think he would have if they weren't in financial need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because he's he's a very different character. And I'm, do you know what? At this point, I'm very proud of the person he's becoming. Yeah. Because it seems like he's owning up to his responsibilities. He's thinking of others. He's going about it wrong. Mm-hmm. And we start to see his demise. I'd say it's gradual. It's not. It's very, very sudden. But he's starting to snap at the staff. He's starting to lose the respect with which he was speaking them. Yeah, he keeps forcing them to redo things like this the zipper lining. Yeah. Despite the fact that what he's making are prototypes. Yes. They're not supposed to be. He doesn't actually understand the industry he's going into. No. And he doesn't understand the expectations of Fashion Week of Milan. Mm. We see Nicola. She yep. doesn't understand where this passion has come from. I don't know if I should like her or not because she's still had zero development. I feel like if we were seeing this from her perspective, her boyfriend has been telling her how much he wants to be with her and move to London and get away from this town. So she's organised it. She's got him a job. And then obviously his dad dies and she has to help him deal with that. And then he becomes a completely different person overnight. He does. I feel like, understandably, she's confused. Yeah. But also, at the same time, she's kind of the villain. Yeah, but this is it. Like, there's no reason for it. There's no, like, depth to her. Mm -hmm. Do you know she was wearing the red shoes from the start? Yeah, he asks her about it. Yeah. I bet Richard bought them for her. No, she bought them for herself. She says it. I think she's lying to him. I think she's having an affair with Richard. Sure. Now, that would at least make her more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Do you not think? She doesn't even have the character depth to cheat on her boyfriend. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's just like, bought them for myself. Yeah, because Charlie even says to her, I like your shoes. And she's like, yeah, got tired of waiting. Yeah, so she had it off with Richard. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so I started to get a little worried mm-hmm. because Charlie starts to use derogatory terms. And it feels very wrong. And he's starting to go back to who he was at the start of the show. Yeah. And at this point, he outs Simon. Yeah. So Lola has been making decisions about the production. Yes. For the shoes because she's the designer 
and she has the right to do that but she also has decided or she suggests that the angels model instead and that they therefore don't have to hire models yes or makeup artists or hairstylists because that mod the angels do all of those things yeah. themselves and charlie lashes out he refers to them in a derogatory term the angels which i'm shocked by at this point yeah because he somehow at some point got it into his head that they have to have women modeling the shoes at fashion week which makes no sense because that's not their niche target but also where has this come from it's so sudden like where has this come from yeah and i think it's come from tiredness and him working too hard but also at the same time it's not okay no so yeah as you say he calls lola simon in front of everybody in the factory who are all kind of shocked by it oh yeah because they've obviously never heard her referred to like that before and lola leaves it's gross yeah and and this is the point at which you said I'm done. That's it. You're done with that character. Yeah. And I've never thought about that before. Because from the way that we're introduced to Lola, the way that she talks about herself and the way that she presents herself, she's a woman. Yes. So essentially what Charlie has just done is dead named her in front of everyone and outed her. Yeah. And that's not okay. No. And it's one thing if it came from a Don. Yeah, like a a character like Don, yeah. But we are supposed to view this world through Charlie. Mm -hmm. Charlie's our protagonist. Yeah, he's our insert character. So for our projection of ourselves to do that, I'm not okay with that. And especially considering how tender the moment was when Lola opened up about Simon Mm -hmm. and about her background, that he would throw that all away. I'm I'm done with him, and at this point, there is nothing he can do to redeem himself. Yeah, that's and fair. I think that's fair, and I actually hadn't thought about that before. I'm I, I'm I'm turned off to the rest of the show at this point. Yeah, I, I I lost any investment I had, all the goodwill that Charlie has brought up because I was so pleased with like how he developed as a character. Yeah, and I could understand that he was stressed here, mm-hmm. but this was too much before Lola leaves she says the brilliant line you don't know what Milan is it's fantasy he has a Hollywood view and every single person leaves yep good he deserves it including Lauren yeah he deserves it he sings soliloquy reprise Mm -hmm. don't care I'm done with him it it is the exact same as Oklahoma yeah He's, he's said something that to me is completely unforgivable Especially considering everything that has happened to support him. Yeah, it was really sad. And then we go to Soul of a Man. You know. I feel like this song sounds like it should be on somebody's solo album. Yes. You know? It's like it sounds like something you would sing as your ballad in your sold out stadium tour. Like Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. I like this song. Yeah. Um, I wrote the note at this point. If he learns and apologises, I might forgive him. Mm. I don't think he does learn. I don't think his apology is enough. So I don't forgive him. Yeah. 
you know, I, I like the bit where we step outside, we see Price and Son having a kinky boot on the sign. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. But this song is supposed to feel really triumphant. What, and like, the man? I think so. I feel like it's supposed to be this big moment where he turns his life around. And he's like, we can do this and I'm going to change to be a better man. But I don't feel it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. He's just become the villain as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because he's he's far worse than Don ever was. Yeah. Because Don was just like in the dark. Don wasn't educated. Charlie has actually invested time in Lola, has taken the time to learn about Lola, mm-hmm. has taken the time to use correct pronouns and really make a difference and, and know about this world. And still, despite all of that, in that moment of spite, He's far worse than anything Don has ever done to Lola. Yeah. At least Don could go post-boxing fight. And say he was sorry. And say why, you know, and and speak to Lola as an equal. Yeah. Charlie hasn't ever spoken to Lola as an equal. That's kind of true. The only moment where they spoke to each other as equals was the... Charlie from Northampton, Simon from Thaxton speech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) So any sense of this song being this triumphant, I'm going to turn this around. Mm -hmm. Nope. Lauren shows up and... Tells Charlie to go back to the factory. Yeah. Because all the lights are on and we find out that Don persuaded everybody to go back to work and to sacrifice a week's pay. To make sure that the, yeah. the boots can be done by then. Exactly. Don is more of a hero at this point, which is really weird. Mm. But considering where Don was at the start of this show. Yeah, the attitude, a nice evolution. Yeah, and the fact that he may still not agree with the kinky boots. And it may just be a case of we need our jobs. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He's still sacrificing and has grown as a person. He would never have been involved in this. There are times earlier in the show where he was very happy to lose this job if it kept his integrity. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a weird moment when Lauren shows up and she strokes Charlie's leg and she has more of her weird mannerisms. And I hated it more at this point because I've just stopped having fun with this show. Yeah. And it, it was even worse at this point. We find out... So Charlie obviously is amazed and he asks Don if this means that Don has made good on his bet with Lola and accepted her. Yeah. And Lauren's like, what are you talking about? He's accepted you. Yeah. Which I don't think is clear. No. (laughs) But like, I get it. It's a nice little turning point. Because if I think, I feel like this should do more to prompt Charlie to apologize to Lola can I also add, apologise to all the workers? Yeah, everyone. He doesn't apologise to any of them. No. He doesn't thank any of them for showing up and saving his company. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. Well, it's like a family business type thing. But You know how like companies tell you that you're... Like, it's a family company. We treat each other like family. Which Michael, usually means that it's like not a good thing. Michael Scott does far more to make people feel like they're a family than... Charlie does. And that's saying something considering how many issues there are with Michael Scott. Mm. The fact is he doesn't apologise to any single person. No. He just takes it for granted. 
I'll say this, the heels are amazing. The oh, kinky boots so look good. spectacular. And yeah. the way, you know, they come in is great. You know, they are the star of this show. Mm-hmm. He tries to get through to Lola. Yeah, so they're about to get in the taxi to go to the airport, to go to Milan. Yeah. And so he tries to ring Lola to apologise because she's gone back to London. And he at least realises he was wrong. Mm-hmm. He says the line, hurt someone I love, which is a good start to the apology. But yep. that's pretty much all we get. Yeah. He, yeah, he never says the words, I'm sorry, which in a show that's broken so many boundaries about what a man should be. And we've had him cry on stage and talk about his emotions as if these are normal things to do, yeah. which they are, obviously. But like, that's yeah. the point they're trying to make is that these are normal things to do. But he can't say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I know. Get over yourself. I know. And he says he is so terribly sorry, but it still just doesn't seem enough. At at this point, what it feels like, Mm. because it's over the phone, because he's on his way to Milan, is he's just saying it to get Lola and the angels there. Yeah, he doesn't have to sacrifice anything to get to Lola. And it it just, it feels very much, had this been a face-to-face, maybe it would be different. Yeah. Had he gone down to London, had he found Lola and had he said this face to face, I know you don't want to talk to me right now. I know I was in the wrong. I know I hurt someone I love, but I am so terribly sorry. Yeah. And I don't expect you to come to Milan with me because I don't deserve that. And I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Leaves and then Lola comes and surprises. That's different. But at this point, it feels like the only reason he's apologising is because he wants Lola and her angels to get on a plane and do him a favour. Yep. So we get Hold Me In Your Heart. Yeah, so we find out that Lola hasn't gone back to London. Yeah. She is instead in Claxton at a nursing home mm. because they put a little board to one side. Yeah. And it's like, Claxton Nursing Home welcomes Lola. But that doesn't happen straight away. That's what's really interesting is because it feels... No, it is. It's on the side of the stage. But it's not lit up. Like I couldn't see it. It came up a little bit into the number. Yeah. You would be able, if you were sat in the audience, you'd yes. be able to see it the whole time. But from my perspective right now, it feels like Lola, who is in this beautiful dress. Oh my God, the white ball gown yeah. and appearing in the back of the stage and everything else is dark. and oh, This is so awesome. Backlit And it well. feels, yeah, like this is Lola on stage. Yeah. And, and just rocking, mm-hmm. just owning the stage. And then, you know. This the ballad. Ugh. Just the pain is so clear as well. And then we see Claxton Nursing Home welcomes Lola. So I was like, are the lights in Lola's head? Is all of this just in her head? Yeah, 100%. Which is so cool. Like, yeah. The dress almost, isn't. No, but this is this is us getting into Lola's headspace of how we view the performance. Yeah. And it becomes clear that actually the person who we should have been viewing the world through this entire time is Lola. Yeah. Which is interesting because Lola doesn't have the same stage time as Charlie. And if Lola was on stage a little bit more, that would perhaps be more apparent that you are supposed to view this world through Lola. Yeah. I love the address to the audience at this point, which is always fun. I like it in a lot of shows we've done where Lola is talking to the audience, but it's not us as the audience. It's the audience of the people in the nursing home. Yeah. And the vulnerability is so powerful. Because we've only seen Lola vulnerable in Simon's clothes. Mm. We've never seen her vulnerable 
in Lola. Lola. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And it's especially powerful because here she is, beautiful, owning the stage and just opening up. And we learn that this was a performance to her dad. Yeah, so on the side of the stage, there is an elderly gentleman in a wheelchair who we find out is Lola's dad. And she basically has her moment of closure with him yeah. where she's like, it was nice to see you, dad. Yeah. And he even, but he goes to put his hand up and it really hurts me because he goes to put his hand on her hand. But by the time his hand gets there, she's already walked away. I know. Which like, it's serves a, him for right. Yeah. But, you know. It's at least a nice moment of closure. Mm-hmm. We cut to Milan and Edna Mode is not fun or funny. Small oh, st- I was like, what are you talking about? It's the, the PA yeah. backstage or the like event organiser backstage who is basically, yeah. In a show that has been quite good about trying to create as real people as possible, mm-hmm. the angels haven't become stereotypes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the factory workers are not stereotypes. Yeah. To then have this sudden jarring stereotype of a character. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Yeah, it's a weird choice. And no one has shown up, so Charlie has to model the kinky Yeah, so they, because Lola cancelled the models and the makeup artists and everything, when the PA woman is asking Charlie where everyone is, Charlie's like, nope, it's all me, I'm doing everything. So Charlie is going to walk on the runway in kinky boots. And he thought the best way to do that would be to wear a suit and just take the trousers off and put the boots on. Yeah. It, Which is an interesting choice. But like... Well... Make do with what you can. George is there. And George, George says... George is there. George and Lauren have gone with him. And George says, does he look sexy? And Lauren says to me, yes. <laughs> I kind of love that that's how George phrases it though. Yeah. Like that George would be like, does he look sexy? <laughs> but her gurning is just so annoying. She do, She just... I can't, I can't. It's not your kind of humour. I don't mind it. That's the thing is I'm I'm fine with it. But in this world, it doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah, we get the history of wrong guys reprise. And then Charlie is a terrible model, can barely stand in the He literally boots. can't stand up. Every version of this I've seen, I get very, very tense and like jolt when he falls over because mm. it looks like it hurts every time it's i just, wonder how yeah. many actors have actually hurt themselves well it's like elf isn't it like that's a moment that you probably could expect someone to get injured yeah. and yet there'd probably be more of an accident on the treadmill do you know what i mean mm-hmm. well it'd be all the places that you expect there to be injuries no one will ever have got hurt yeah and then there'll be something stupid like one of my lola will have fallen down the stairs making an entrance yeah something you know? like that but there's Stories from like, like there's a Beauty and the Beast story from Broadway where the actor who played Gaston was always very conscious of when he's fighting the beast. Yeah. There's so many ways he can get hurt and there's like loads of scenes where he can get really badly injured. And one night he got his finger caught in the track on the stage completely by accident and there was no reason for it and he broke his finger because he got his finger caught. And... Then there was a version of Beauty and the Beast that I've seen where Gaston got hit in the face with a tankard during Gaston and was bleeding so much on stage 
No and one takes shots to the he head like stood Gaston. With his hand on the side of his head to Jeez. stop himself from bleeding and finished the scene, and it was amazing. Yeah, because because no one bleeds like Gaston. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always the stupid places that yeah. people get hurt. It's not the ones that you plan for. No. So Charlie's trying to sell the kinky boots, and honestly, subpar. And I'm sure for a lot of people, this is an endearing moment where Charlie is vulnerable and is like, "I'm trying to do the best." I, I think this is comeuppance. Yeah. I love that every, everyone... I don't even think there. it's comeuppance. I don't care. Because he doesn't even deserve comeuppance. Like, mm. that just seems petty of me. What he's done was petty. Yeah. And I, I don't care enough about him for him to succeed, for him to fail. He is dead to me. But we go to raise you up and just be... And... Yeah, so Charlie falls flat on his face. Yeah. And at the back of the stage, who should appear... But the angels who are all dressed in costumes that match their kinky boots. Yes, which is awesome. It's so cool. And they're all like British stereotypes, which I think is really funny too. Yeah. And the costumes are great. And this runway show is so much fun. Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't understand. Right. Think about it from, from Lola's perspective. Lola obviously planned this runway show because they're her angels. She's their choreographer. So she already knew what this was going to look like. What did they think this was going to be like with female models? Yeah. This is what Milan should always have been for kinky boots. Yeah. But I just, I really want to know what I don't even think these shoes would fit the women. No, because they were, they're not made to yeah. fit. Yeah, so they'd have looked bad. Like They're not made in women's sizes. No. It's also weird. Yeah. Charlie struggles with the choreography, and that's kind of cute. It's kind of funny. And the way Lola works with, and I'm fine with that. But I'll tell you who, at this point I'm watching, I'm thinking, do you know who would make a great Charlie? Who? Jack Whitehall. Sure, yeah. I could see Jack Whitehall being mm-hmm. a phenomenal Charlie. Like, I don't know how well he can sing. Yeah. He's not awful. No, I, I'm, and he's a great actor from what I've seen him with, but he would be phenomenal in this especially the bit where he's walking forward Mm -hmm. i could just see that working really well yeah one of my favorite parts about like you say it's quite endearing him trying to dance one of my favorite things about that is knowing that the actor obviously can dance in these heels yeah because it's almost more challenging to dance badly than to dance really well especially when you're trained that way yeah the costumes, I think, don't exist without the Spice Girls. Because you've also got the, the Jerry Halliwell Union Jack. Oh, sure. I didn't think about it that way. But because I think... they're all... There's a cricketer, yeah. the beef eater, the flag. But there's very... I think they're very Spice Girls at the same time. Which I think is very cool. Like, nice little nod to, like, British heritage. Yeah. I'll tell you who's more of a hero than Charlie. Don. Because Don comes out on the runway... With those kinky boots, mm. owning them. Far more confidence. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it just, again, the growth of that character. The start of this show, Don wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have much growth with Charlie. Any growth we have just goes back to square one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Don sings the best line yeah. in this song, which is, look out Milan, here comes Don. Yeah. And he's got skinny jeans on with the red kinky yeah. boots, which is great. And all of the factory workers are there yeah. with their, their boots on. I think it's phenomenal. You look at the arc of what he's done. Mm. It, I just, 
I don't agree with what he did at the start, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like the Don we now know is a better person than the Don at the start. And yeah. I can't say the same for Charlie. You change the world when you change your mind. Yeah. Baby Charlie and baby Lola time warp for parental yeah. hugs. Mm-hmm. Almost like their inner child has been satisfied. Charlie has appeased his dad. Lola has had closure with her dad. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's no conclusive end to Kinky Boots. Yeah. We find in a lot of shows that, like, we're going to show everything being okay. Like, the world is sorted. Mm-hmm. I like that we don't actually know. We end on Milan. We don't know if Kinky Boots saved the company or not. Yeah, we do. Do we? Yeah, the finale, the end of Raise You Up, Just Be, which yeah. is the last song. Charlie, while the rest of them are doing the quiet part of the song, Charlie says... While the world is clamouring for kinky boots, we've got work to do. Oh, I didn't know if he was just like optimistic or... I, I mean, I started to turn Charlie off, to be honest. Yeah, so. fair enough. Yeah, but, no, he says that the Milan show got them a lot of interest yeah. and the world wants kinky boots, so they've got loads of work to do. If this was a film, you could imagine that part of the ending of this would show like... montage The montage yeah. factory, kinky boots being sold across, Nicola crying because her boss has left her and she's unemployed. I hate that she comes out for the finale. It's so jarring, isn't it's it? It's so weird. And that's I kinky get boots. that she has to come out for the bows. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, because she did a great job. But it's weird that she comes out for the Milan finale. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not clear. But the problem is the Milan finale also serves as the main finale. Like, there's no... Yeah, it's the bows and everything. Yeah. Fair enough. What was your best song? Land of Lola. I yeah. love, I'm obsessed with that song. It's a great song. I really love Hold Me In Your Heart because of how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. But then I also love In This Corner because of like how cheesy it is. Yeah, it's great. It feels like what I want from this world. Like Sometimes this tries to take itself very seriously and sometimes it tries to go very comedic. Mm-hmm. I like this comedic tone. I don't want it throughout the show, yeah. but I like it here. I also like, I like Take What You Got. Yeah. Just because I am I like that kind of folksy sound to a song. And What A Woman Wants is yeah. incredible. <laughs> what is your skip song? Soul of a Man. History of Wrong Guys. Fair enough. I just think it's the performance as well that really killed it for me. Because mm-hmm. again, we've got a very serious show with this weird, ridiculous gurning. Yeah. Or Charlie's Soliloquy. The first one. Yeah. Second one's I don't think is on the soundtrack. Fair. The second one definitely would be one that I don't really care about given what's just happened. Yeah. Soul of the Man is okay. It's nice. As a song. As a song. It's just placed wrong. Mm. Especially considering like it's supposed to be like, yeah, look at me. I'm going to save this company. I am going to become a better man when he's just proven he is not a better man. Yeah. You don't really come back from that. That's fair. That makes sense. I have two MVPs. Who is your MVP? Lola. Yeah, Lola. And then George. (laughs) Exactly. Lola, because this show is is carried by Lola. But I love George. And anytime George is on. It's so great. It's so great. We spent this entire film just watching George. Yeah. Because he's so funny. And it is. And it's just really nice as well. Like, we've talked a lot about, like, toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. all of that. But it's nice to see an older male character just being like so welcoming oh yeah which role would you like to play 
in Kinky Boots of like the of two my two choices. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's all there's obviously the background factory women. Yes. Like Pat and um, and I can't remember anyone else's names. No, I couldn't even remember Pat's name. Pat and Trish are the two nice girls. I obviously Lauren. I'd like to play Lauren. I feel like when she's played a little bit more downbeat than the way that we saw her and a little bit more subtle. Yeah. It's super interesting because you can have that sort of over the top, like, oh my God, he touched me, like reaction to things, but not have it be bigger than Charlie. Yeah, exactly. It, need, it, it needs to be, to be, the be same on the same level. level. Yeah. Charlie needs to be silly and, and she can be silly. But if Charlie is as serious as he has been presented, then she needs to be a bit more serious. Yeah. I would like to play Don mm. because I would love the challenge of his growth. His yeah. growth. I think that's a very cool arc. Mm-hmm. And it should have been the arc that Charlie had. Yeah, it should have, yeah. But I'd also like to play George. Mm-hmm. I think George is the we most wholesome George. character in this. <laughs> I gave Kinky Boots originally mm-hmm. three stars right is this gonna have dropped or gonna it has dropped dropped to two stars it's dropped to two stars wow. having been left to think about because i always do my stars as a kind of what is my instinct there and then yeah and maybe that's unfair maybe i should just stick with the three stars however because some time has passed since we watched it mm-hmm. the more i think about it the more i just I'm disappointed by Charlie. And it's not even like it serves a purpose in the same way Don does. It's just bad writing. And I think sometimes too much, like the ending just goes by so fast without much chance to develop. Yeah. Give us a scene where Charlie faces Lola in person and says i am so sorry i i can i can't apologize enough and it doesn't justify it i was stressed but i should never have done that yeah nothing i can say or do right now will ever justify what i've done yeah but i'm sorry and have lola completely ignore and charlie can just say i don't expect you to come to me i don't deserve that and i just wanted to say i'm sorry Mm -hmm. that way charlie is not selfish charlie is going to face up and the company will probably die, but that's Charlie's fault. Mm-hmm. No one else needs to fix that. Then we can have the beautiful moment with Lola. Yeah. And then Lola does return and you think, well, that's because Lola's a good person. And Charlie does deserve it more so because it was a more heartfelt apology. Yeah. I also think the songs didn't resonate with me. They were great there and then, but the fact that, you know, in you the time... You like, kept any of them. Yeah, in the time since... And I think that is a big reason why it's dropped. Mm-hmm. They haven't stuck with me since. Do you think I'm going to have more fun next week? Or are you kind of worried? I'm certainly going to have more fun next week. What are we watching next week? Next week, I thought we could watch something just to continue with this streak of you not liking things. No, I do think I, I hope you like what we're watching next week we are delving into the world of decom and we have a potential trilogy but it's not the trilogy you're expecting yeah it's not a high school musical we're going to be watching descendants right 
You like Disney villains. You like Once Upon a Time. This is why I think I'm not going to like Descendants. <laughs> because so Once Upon a Time is a better kind of concept of like the weird mm-hmm. what could be. So I'm willing to give it a try. Sure. I got no choice in the matter. No, you do not. We're going to be watching The Descendants next week. Nice and easy one. It's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You know who's in it? Christian Chenoweth's in it. I know that. Yeah. I don't know anyone else. Kathina Jimmy. Cool. Yeah. I can get on board with Kathina Jimmy. Mm-hmm. We might have more fun next week than I was anticipating. Yeah. So that's next week. As usual, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod, or you can email us on It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Kinky Boots. I know I've been quite negative on it, but maybe you can do what Drew hasn't been able to do and change my mind on it. Or maybe actually I've changed your mind and maybe I've ruined a show you love. If I have, sorry, not sorry. It's my response. But let me know your thoughts. Is Kinky Boots one you love? Is it one you used to love until you heard me review it? Or, you know, did you never like it anyway? And let us know your thoughts on The Descendants. Yes. Possibly <laughs> a bit more entertaining. It's yeah. not exactly highbrow art, I'm assuming. It's not How one that's, you? you know, going to change my life drastically for watching it. But maybe that's it will be a fun hour and a half. I hope it's an hour and a half. I can't bear it if it's any longer. It's a really good question. We'll find out next week. Yep. And you can find out next week if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Podcasts, on Stitcher, or on Podbean. You can make sure you download an episode by subscribing and be notified when the next episode goes live. And if you're feeling generous, why not leave us a review? help make our day but until then i hope you have a magical musical monday (laughs) and we'll be back same bat place same bat channel see you next week